caught and the mic is hot. Okay. Um, and the headphones are not on there your head. There are no headphones on <laughs> So how are we doing today? Doing pretty well. Yeah, we're, we're um, doing another episode of Being Master. It's a podcast by my friend Heidi. And today, Heidi is joined by another guest of ours that we're really happy to have. Uh, what What's your name? Uh, Marlene Gatewood Allen. So, yeah. Um, we're very excited to have you. Um, I think you have a great perspective on kind of what an overall what our our podcast is about you know personal growth um business community um and what it what it means what we want from from life mm-hmm. and um so it's a privilege to have you here so thank you so much you're so welcome um we're excited um let's start off first because this is kind of a fun interesting um person to have sitting on the couch <laughs> okay. um tell us um, about the home share, what it means to you, because we are actually recording in your space, correct? Yes, yes, that's correct. Um, so Gatewood Home Share, um, from my perspective, is a facility where we actually share our space, services, products with other creatives and entrepreneurs and the community in general. So when I say supportive services, um, I like to look at it. My portion of what we do is me servicing large families um, in a space where they don't have to do any work. Life celebrations is normal in all walks of life. And when people want to put something together, it's normally five or 10 family members, everybody trying to come together and get something set up, which the person that's doing that never get to enjoy the party mm-hmm. and they working and at the end of the day, it's no food left and they're tired. So that's one part of what we offer is the all-inclusive service event venue service where we do all of the setup, I serve, clean up, and you get to come in with your family and enjoy whatever life celebration you're celebrating at sure. the time. Um, mm-hmm. The other part is uh, we've been in the Collinwood community now over 30 years. And, you know, I have a history on being on the board, so I kind of can see both sides of what's needed in order to be serviced by your community, your city, or whatever, and I could see what was missing. Because I saw what was missing when I was out there looking for um, help doing what I feel like this is what we were led to do. Um, So uh, seeing that being on the board and being in those committee meetings, people assume that everybody knows that they're there. And when like, just for example, I need a roof. Some oh, senior citizen in the neighborhood need help with a roof program. Well, the way that the CDCs and the people in the area do, they send it out on their newsletter. Everybody don't get that. Okay. So I started a black club years ago, starting mm-hmm. out. And we had literally walked up and down, clean, we did big cleanups and corresponded with people and people never even knew that they could go to their community development corporation to get help with general services. Everybody's not 
tech savvy. Yeah. You know, so it still needs to be a part of in the community that services those people that that don't know how to do everything online. So saying that, being in the community and being a UPS access point in this facility, it exposes those type of people to what we offer in our building. So it's kind of like building a community within a community. Right. Okay. And, and 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 putting out their th- services that the the big um, organizations don't realize is needed. Okay. Because we get people in here that can't read uh, when they come. So you're to pick like filling up. gaps. We're filling gaps. That right. That's a good way to put it. Okay. So yeah. Filling gaps in the community that um, might not be identified yet. Right. Or if they are identified, there's just not funding or there's not a localized group that is doing it. And so you've taken it upon yourself to create the home share to provide that to our community, to form that, to bring access to people um, that maybe not have access, whether they can't read, like you said, they can't read, or um, maybe they don't know how to use a computer because generational issues, or just they don't have access to the internet or computers Mm -hmm. and things like that. So, Mm Listeners, I think it's important that you know, like whenever you come here, everybody is always greeted with a smile and everyone's always <laughs> very kind. Um, the first time I came here, it was a rough day. I remember that. Um, <laughs> and I was I was welcomed and I think I even got a hug, <laughs> um, which which was great. I think that speaks to what we're looking for in our community is that. Uh, is everyone being welcomed mm-hmm. and having access to things that we need, whether it be just like support, somebody to talk to, mm-hmm. um, some guidance on how to, like you said, fill out an application mm-hmm. for a new roof or whatever, whatever that might look like for mm-hmm. that individual. Mm-hmm. So I think that is so great that this is here in Collinwood because definitely Collinwood is an area here in Cleveland that needs those type of resources um and i don't necessarily know that there's an entity like the cdc that is existing at this current moment um and if it is it's um maybe minimal and so i think like you guys being able to step up and and provide that is wonderful for the community so and people people don't know what they don't know right and until they are exposed to it and that's uh, another part of what we do is when we, you know, we people come to a, say a baby shower or a repass, <coughs> excuse me, they um get exposed to what we offer. Mm-hmm. And then this, you know, it's, oh, I know my sister would be able to use this. And that's a way to get down in the actual neighborhood of the people that's not exposed or gen- have general knowledge of the bigger organizations in the neighborhood that sure. can help. You know, everybody know the basic, you know, the public library, you can go there, you can go to food bank to get food and, you know, but who, who knew that, you know, also in my family, we, my sister is a pastor and she gives do free days twice a month. Mm-hmm. You know, people donate things to her and she gives it away to the community twice a month. So you guys are kind of like a hidden gem. Right. And, and, um, <laughs> right. I guess, the, and a lot of people tell us that. You know. And we hear a lot too. If we wasn't here, they don't know what they would do. Uh, I have a member that just, you know, came in and she was just standing there. I knew something was wrong. So my first reaction is to give her a hug. Right. And that's basically what she needed. Just a hug. Cause people don't have 
people. Mm-hmm. People have daughters and sons, but everybody's running their own life and they don't realize when they don't communicate or stay in touch with their other loved ones. And then the impact of the isolation from COVID yeah. is was huge, is huge on a lot of people's mental capacity. So just being here as a neighborhood support place is what I would call it. Whether you want to use the internet, you want to get a hug, you want to some dip. I heard you have some famous dip. Oh, my artichoke dip. I I, I got a lot of stories about that one. It's hilarious. There's no meat in it and everybody swears chicken or something. But people, you know, art, you know, I'm going to say our group, people really don't frequent artichokes Mm -hmm. all the time. And so exposing that new and and then after I let somebody taste it. I didn't have a guy say, I need to talk to you about something really important. I said, okay, let me get these customers. And he said, what is that stuff you had me put on the crack? He was so concerned. <laughs> but I get that all the time. It's really good. You know, just exposing people to things they're not used to. We're not a bar, you know, we, but we are our hospitality and it makes people feel welcome. I got a really heartfelt uh, thank you from one of the repasts we did. And it was, it, 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 you know, I'm an easy crier. So it really <laughs> so it it, gave you some tears. It gave me some tears and it was really good. And, then, you know, we make people feel like family. And that's why we say home share. We share our home base with anyone that needs it. I think that's a um, such a unique aspect of your business itself. Um, I think you touched on it a little bit about almost kind of like being home and like having sons and, and, being connected. Um, so I want to kind of bring that up because Robert is your son. Robert is my son. Yeah, dear listeners, I'm sorry I left that detail <laughs> out. But yeah. it's, it's more important. I wanted to hear, you know, what Marlene, my mom, does, like as a person, not, right. you know, absent the relationship. Just mm-hmm. hearing her as a professional was like really cool for me. So that's why I didn't share. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful that Heidi put it in there. Um, <laughs> I think it's really kind of a cool concept and it was just like brought to my attention recently. I saw somewhere where parents don't realize, yes, you've known your child for their whole entire life, but they actually don't know you. Right. And so like letting them see who you actually are, bits and pieces of that as they're growing up, but then also as they're an adult, what that means and mm-hmm. what parts you will and are able to share with, mm-hmm. where share with them. So with that concept, um, I want to kind of understand from your perspective, um, Robert is black. (laughs) That's safe to say. Um, (laughs) That is safe to say. Mm -hmm. Um, What does it feel like? And and listeners, I know this is maybe like a weird, controversial topic. People make it weird. um, But I feel like it's a super important conversation to have. you being a black woman in business, in the community, growing a black boy into a black man mm-hmm. in, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that mean to you? And like, what does, is there any defining moments where you're like, this is going to be difficult, but totally worth it? Um, okay. Ooh, that's a big question. Um, I've always... You know, raising Robert, um, I've always talked to him in full sentences, even when he was a small child. Every minute of every day was an opportunity to either 
learn who he was or teach him a life lesson. Okay. Just in general growing up. I mean, from, you know, like I, like I say, from the womb to 37, maybe 38, maybe. <laughs> 37, uh, it's been a number of, of um, I mean, just one that just comes to mind dealing with how, being a black, uh, raising a black son. And it is a controversial mm -hmm. um, conversation, but people, because Robert is mild mannered, he's not the typical you know, slang talking, you know, baby's mama. And this is just not judging, it's just fact. Um, people or befriend the perception him. Of the perce what, a perception of what, what a black, black man is. The general, but a lot, yeah. you know, you it takes a minute to learn who, who, and like I say, as soon as you're born, that person is born with their own personality. Mm -hmm. So learning what that is first um, with him growing up. But the one occasion... He was going to CSU um, and he tends to, I'm going to say uh, Caucasian or mild skinned women tend to be drawn to Robert because he's not offensive. He respects women. He's raised in a household with a bunch of aunties. So he knows, he knows, he knows, his he knows that women. He's, I know better. He knows, he knows to women. check himself. Right, right. <laughs> But because he's around, it was a situation where I had to interject. Don't ever be in a place with one of your close quote, white. white women mm -hmm. where you you become vulnerable. Mm -hmm. If you see that it's someone being attracted to you and you have to, because of the kind of guy he is, do, uh, not fall for whatever they're trying to do, it's written history that that person could, I'm going to call the police and said you did something to him. Yeah. So that's a serious conversation that just happened in the past. City's been burned down because of that. But I wanted to make him understand. He had told me that, and the, the reason I thought about this, because when the police officer rode by him, the two white women that was with him fussed at the police for even asking them, are they okay? Because he was with, two white girls or whatever, and the police or whoever it was, security guard or whatever, are you ladies okay? But he has to deal with that. He has to deal with it. He has to deal mm -hmm. with that. But just in the back of his mind, I needed to make him understand, try not to put yourself in those situations. Find a nice way to back away. Don't hurt anybody because they can flip and call and tell a lie and you not, he's not going to be believed because of how because he's black. Because he's black. They're not going to see that he's a gentle guy. He's been raised right with women. I've been teaching him since he's been in the womb how to be an, uh, an adult and how to deal with people in general because he, yeah. he's a people person too. So that that's one identifying um, thing. You have to tell in plain English your black sons how to react in different situations and when something like that comes up. Because he is, he attracts, I'm a guy, he attracts white women. <laughs> he attracts women in general because he's, mean, a yeah. gen, he's a gentle guy. <laughs> right. he a gen, he's a gentle man for sure. You know, don't yeah. get me wrong. He's still, you know, a black dude. You know, he just don't ain't no, you know, sports. He's more, that's one thing. I, and I love to say this. He asked me, go play what? I said, go outside and play. He said, play what? 
Now, me as the overanalyzer, oh, I'm going to get a chemistry set, a guitar, some pencils, a computer. I would just have things for him to do. And I think that's what's missing now, too. And he's an only child. He is my only child. Yes, he is. So, of course, I swamped him. He gets all of my attention. But I loaded him up with information from day one. You sitting next on the bus. What is that? Oh, it's a deer. Oh, what? what? He didn't know what a pawn shop was until he was like 20. Which is amazing. Just because, and it wasn't that I was sheltering him from that. But that's a reality in a lot of young people's lives. And I guess I'm just, I'm, you know, pretty blessed to have. And he could have moved away after college. Mm -hmm. But he loves. But he didn't. But because he's learning and it's important for me to, for him to understand that you can make money off of what you do. You don't have to go and work for someone else. That's the entrepreneurial spirit. And then our entrepreneurial spirit just um, equal to servicing other people. Mm-hmm. And that's what we both do. And that's why we work together. Do you think that it also from like an entrepreneurial spirit, like him seeing that from your angle um, as almost like a role model? And then um, being able to service others is like he's you're servicing yourself by having that entrepreneurial spirit. And so you're learning about yourself and entrepreneurship mm-hmm. that you're able to then apply that to the service of others because right. you're you're able to service yourself and your needs. Mm-hmm. So then you can go out and help other people. Right. F- figure out what it is that they can do because everybody has a talent. And if you are able to monetize it, what they say, if you do something you love to do every day, you don't work a day in your life. And as long as a person figures out what that is, what makes them happy most, and then be able to monetize it and be of service to someone else by doing it, you, it's a, it's a, uh, I don't know what you call that. It's a complete circle to me. So as he was like growing up um, in our chaotic world, he kind of grew up through... I'd say the 80s. Well, he was born in the 80s. So more like 90s, early 2000s Mm -hmm. is really where he had more developmental internal dialogue probably with himself and others, Mm -hmm. you know, in the community. Um, Is there anything that you think you did or that maybe you wouldn't have done because he is a, a black, boy growing into a black man what i wouldn't have done or um, or you did do because of that like i say not not just speaking clear sentences answering questions making him understand that having all the facts to a situation and then making a decision and once you have all your facts in the world did you expose him to like cultural things or so, so that he could identify as a black male. So, like, my son is black in, in the eyes of everybody. He's actually mixed race. He is black and he is white. And for me, it was very important because he grew up in basically all white community. And so making sure that he was exposed to music, that he could identify as, like, this is is rooted in your black, Amer- like, American culture. Okay. Um making sure that, you know, we figured out where to get his hair cut and what products to use because he is black and he, he has different texture. Um, when we had conversations with his friends, I remember like that was very important for us is like, do not leave him behind. Kind of like the conversation 
you had with him about white women and like making sure you're aware of your surroundings and mm-hmm. and and being you know situationally aware. I had to have conversations with you know my son and saying, okay. If you guys are going to do dumb shit, which mm-hmm. all boys we, we, do, yeah, secret, we do, <laughs> which, which all, they all do, mm-hmm. making sure that he stayed safe and mm-hmm. he stayed alive um, with a lot of these kids that are being killed and a lot of black men that are being killed. And I say kids because they're all kids. Like mm-hmm. everybody has a parent mm-hmm. and it is a loss and Every time I hear headlines coming across, it like literally makes me want to vomit because mm-hmm. I think of my son mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily think of like all of my children in that situation. I think of my oldest child because it is so quick that somebody could just kill him just because just because he is black. Right. But, but you know, how do you I mean, how do you get a, a, away from he was he was raised around. You know, like I said, most women, and we're all black women. Mm-hmm. So, um, I I wouldn't I wouldn't have did anything different. Uh, I sent him to Catholic school from kindergarten to ninth grade. Then we moved here, and I put him in the public school, so he had exposure to. But it was one thing that I didn't do. I might should have done is he never. I never. He had all of his cousins around him for activities. He was never one of the ones that went up and down the street to other neighbors' houses. In our house was where everybody, everybody came to. Mm-hmm. So he was getting learning things that I didn't know he, you know, learned that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he he, you know, grew up around the black culture. On the other hand, everybody automatically knows what um, to to do in different situations, you you just automatically know that, and it's and it's crazy. Like you say, your other kids would run up to a police car for help, but he probably wouldn't do that mm-hmm. because of what experience you know experiences taught him. You know they, they're supposed to protect and serve, but they know. I, I I even little kids now I see videos all the time. Don't call the police on me; they gonna kill me. So society, you know, makes them do that, you know, react like that to um, a, a community resource. Supposed, the police are supposed to help. Mm-hmm. But growing up around that, young black men are not allowed to do that. So you got to have other ways of. So I, my question then is, we haven't even got into kind of what your nonprofit is yet. We haven't even mm-hmm. touched on that. But mm-hmm. are there any thoughts around how do we start building those relationships back so instead of having you know the culture or the idea that police all police officers are just going to come and take me or shoot me or whatever Mm -hmm. we start bridging that gap and we start having those conversations of getting them involved and exposed and but still trying to keep them safe because like I'm not naive that even if we do build some of those relationships when they're young that doesn't mean them in a car being pulled over that they aren't going to get shot. Right. Right. Um, yeah, that's, it's, it's no way. I don't see, I don't see that being an easy way thing to fix. You know, I I really don't see it. Um, the, 
you know, police situation. I don't, I don't see that because everybody was raised different. Mm-hmm. Every police officer, some of them are, will be nice, pull you over for a ticket and say, oh, I'll see you don't have any tickets, so I'm going to just let you go. But then you got these gung-ho guys that's looking for adrenaline, something to do. And so then they say one wrong thing, but learning how to react to the, the police is 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 our best defense, you know, that I, I could say as a, a black guy today. So I remember one experience, particularly for this conversation, when uh, I went with, it would have been Jerry was the reason when we went to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my first trip outside of the city. Uh, I was around, I think I was 15, so I was just in high school. Uh, all of us in my family, everyone, well, everyone everywhere has talent, but there were particularly high-skilled entertainment prospects for one of my cousins and we went over there and and this is pre-cell phone i'm trying to remember all the Mm -hmm. details because again the world's so different from when i was 15 to 15 year old now yeah i mean they have this situation like cell phones and videos none of that Mm -hmm. it was and obviously culturally the music if we're doing music it's probably hip-hop so we were at a a hip-hop type conference and everything's fine and we're up there it was literally like six seven cousins we're at some convention center in chicago um, cousins are performing. So a lot of us came down out of the lobby and we're standing outside. I remember us being by a parking, like a lifted parking. We have to drive up a ramp. So I was kind of leaning on the wall. We're all talking and we're close enough to the south side of Chicago, which I didn't know was a thing yet either. So we're mm-hmm. here. So gunshots, pop, pop, pop. And well, that's crazy. I know a car skirts off, it goes. And we're still just standing there because we're from Cleveland. I've, we've heard these sounds. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, we're not getting shot at. And mm-hmm. Whatever they were shooting at ran away. So they're all, they're gone. Cops come maybe three minutes later and we're still standing there. Now, how I'm dressed is how I was dressed then. I knew my style the same way back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did, I remember I was wearing a collared shirt, which I remember feeling like, oh, well, after the fact, I'll get there. I'll finish the story first. Cops roll up, hop out. What's everybody doing here? We're just in the public. What's going on? Everybody hands up. Everybody, we hands up thing and it's fine. Um, now, this is where, uh, so I was raised culturally to be aware that they can be an antagonist, but I'm a little bit of a smart ass. Mm-hmm. And if you don't ask me the question correctly, I'm going to answer how you ask me. Uh, everybody's got, everybody hands up. All right. Does anybody have anything on them that are, that's dangerous? Well, no. Any weapons? No. Any drugs? Sure. And I, I remember, I'm not going to say the name on, on microphone, but an older cousin that mm-hmm. likes to fight. Mm-hmm. God, shut up. You can't say stuff like that. Cop, and I remember it very clear. I remember the guy's face. Gun at me. Like, point, because I was an idiot. I'm like, Being whoa. smart ass. And See, I'm like, well, it's in, my, it's in my right... Uh, pocket because you see I mean I'm sorry I left my pocket protector at home like I don't know what you think I meant and he it was ibuprofen so I'm like you weren't clear no I don't have illegal drugs like now in today's climate I likely would have been killed yeah different police mm-hmm. body yeah but also there's no evidence now because it was just us no cameras no but the thing is is you could have been shot at that point immediately too. and no Nobody one wanted. except and my family saw it come on now i taught you you that. did but it was like i was so mm-hmm. absurd and the thing was I, I the one piece i missed was one cousin dove on one on younger uh girl cousin because sounds mm-hmm. echo we don't know where to shot so we protect 
bro, if somebody's shooting, why would we still be standing here? You're stupid. Go get who you're actually after. This doesn't make sense. We're kids. Mm -hmm. So I was irritated. Mm -hmm. And I knew I shouldn't be in danger based on how I looked. So I said, and then I learned really cool. Okay, I shouldn't have said that. Like, you can't be a smart but, ass. Um, so yeah, the pol the police circumstance, that conversation, the way that I was raised, I knew that they're not, they're supposed to help, but they're people. Yep. And you're not going to talk to me. Like, I, again, I'm just, that, that, was, yeah, that was one mistake that I wouldn't make. But I would say the only reason I even complied, and it wasn't no tone, I knew that is because I mean, we had the talk. I don't know if, Heidi, you had to have that talk with your son. Like, if you're a black boy, you got the talk either from your mom, your aunt, uncle. Somebody, and yep. I'm, I don't need to comment any further. If you don't know what the talk is, listener, I ask you just look up black child, the talk. Yeah. They'll teach it better. Mm -hmm. I absolutely had to. I mean, like I said, I had to parent my black son differently than my other two mm -hmm. white children. Which is so unfair. Um, and I actually had to explain this to some family members too. Like they just, it didn't even like occur to them, mm -hmm. but you know, living in the white privileged world that we were right. living in, mm -hmm. they, they were never exposed to that. But mm -hmm. in order to protect my son and keep him alive, mm -hmm. that is something that I had to learn. And I learned fast that those are, those are just some of the conversations I had to have that were very different, mm -hmm. that are very different. But also, I had those conversations with my white children, too, saying, if this ever happens, if there's ever, like, you can't leave your brother. Like, you have to. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was times when we were traveling in different areas of the United States that when he would go to the bathroom, one of his parents would go with him, whether it be standing next to the door or whatever it is, because we didn't know how he would be perceived. Mm -hmm. Um, making sure, you know, he keeps the receipt on him mm -hmm. as he's walking out the so door. Like, mm -hmm. there's so many small details that white privileged parents don't understand mm -hmm. until they're going, um, how do I keep my son alive yeah, in this world? You having eyes opened because of that experience. I'd say my whole growth experience was her eyes were always open. And whenever I asked questions, there were always answers. So mm -hmm. that kind of proof, like that base is part of why I think I'm really comfortable with people. Cause I know if I ask a question and you don't answer, it's okay. But if you're unable to say, you don't know an answer. Now I have an issue. Mm -hmm. like I you always can't admit, find the answer. Yeah. yeah. Cause she, Oh, I don't know yet. And Let then, me figure it out. Mm -hmm. That's I'll find yeah. it. And then I answer, you know, but that's the main thing. Parents being they're not just a parent to their, child you have to be a, a friend a, a, a advisor uh, and it's not that you want to raise that child the way you think they should be once you learn their personality then you give them all of the facts and information that they can hold to and mold, then to mold to them how they are supposed to yeah be. how you're how you're supposed to be as a i call it a responsible citizen you know because you and you don't just live in your house, you live in your community. And being a part of that is, I mean, he's, that's why I'm glad he's like, he, you know, he ended up like he is because he's well uh, versed in the community, you know. So he, you know, and then, then sharing that with other young black uh, children that come around us, they see him. And so they 
and automatically they're going to be picking up things from him that he don't even know he's teaching them because of what we instilled in him as a um, growing up uh, as an adult. You know, but you know, it's it's hard. But what can we do? We learn how to get get around it. Even going in a in a store, the security guys will follow a black a dude around, and not knowing that them guys over there, them ones that live privileged, is probably the ones taking it because they're looking for excitement. You so know, my question is, um, being a black woman, so your your history of growing up, your youth and stuff, um, do you, from your perception or your perspective is there things that you had to do differently and then what you maybe you had to teach Robert to do differently a female is is growing up you know I had a lot of things that would happen to me that wouldn't happen to him because we you know he's a, a male but what are some of those things you don't make me go uh like, um, you know, predators out there is, is one thing. Uh, you know, and, and I'm sure in a lot of people histories, families had things go on that is family secrets, that type of thing, okay. where you, you, you know, you have to protect yourself. I had to protect myself from those type of situations. Um, me being, I haven't done the, the, genealogists and thing, yeah. but me being light-skinned and my hair is naturally curly that provoked a lot of fights from other young people when I was growing up you know people judging you by the way you look on the outside no one ever sees you know who you actually are and so that was a, a, a way I had to pick and choose or I could tell what was coming from a person when they first look at me I've been learning. I now I can read a person's face to see if this is acceptable. Is acceptable or not? Because being this, you don't fit totally in black, and you don't fit totally in white. So you deal with all kind of things, you know, on on both sides. So did you? So when you're dealing with things from both sides, like was more criticism from like white or black, or were they just like different? It's different. Okay. Just totally different, you know, because, you know, our history as black America in America from way back, you know, our, everything we do is, is family based because that's where the safety net was, you know. And so now you start going out when you get older as a teenager, mm-hmm. you get to go over your friend's house and, and that type of thing. So it, it's it's just it was a, I, I always learned from. Any situation that I'm in, I take something out of it. Now I know how to respond the next time if that comes up again. Do that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. Um, So with your history of like having to keep knowing like I'm going to be judged. Mm -hmm. Immediately. Immediately Mm -hmm. as a woman Mm -hmm. and then as a black woman. And I mean, we'll go there where people are like, if you show any sort of I don't want to say aggression because that's not the word. Strong black women. That's a, that's another. Mm. Yeah. But it's like, um, if a male, a white male were to have the same mm-hmm. qualities, mm. would they be called 
strong black man, right man white man. Yeah, no, they wouldn't. No, they no. wouldn't. It would be perceived as look at that great leadership. Look mm-hmm. at that. So hmm. how does how did that kind of concept affect how you behaved or presented yourself to people? As so that you wouldn't be quote unquote that aggressive black strong woman that yeah um you just you just gauge the the individual situations now i'm i I don't bite my tongue i'm i i once you get me me, started we don't i don't i don't bite my tongue and i always speak in facts you know and i always taught him if you you know, you tell one lie, you don't have to tell 15 others and you don't forgot what you did. So go in truthfully with your eyes open. Everything is real. You ain't got to remember what you said. And that's how I, I always react to if a person is looking at me and here, I'll be like, oh, here we go. That's what's in my head. So I try to not match. I, I do this sometimes, the reason why I tell <laughs> don't match the energy that the person is putting out there. Okay. Um, but still be who I am because I don't bite my tongue. It's, you just got to gauge it on individual basis. I don't have a one whole thing that you do, but it's, it's an individual. So, but were you taught differently? Like, were you taught, like, maybe not necessarily come across quote unquote aggressive because you aren't going to be heard otherwise? Mm. I I don't I don't think I was taught that. I, I don't think that's what I. Um, the way I look at things, I need to be informed if I'm going to be talking to someone okay. that I'm. I have to be informed of what before I start getting into something, a conversation, even like for the nonprofit. I need to know that I'm speaking the se- the correct language, because every walk of life requires a different language that you speak to the people that you so they can understand you and i don't come off as you know uh, this over aggressive strong black woman trying to come in here and talk to me about doing something she don't even know what she's talking about and so like that maybe that's uh another point is people always i shouldn't say always people sometimes can assume that black women men individuals um are ignorant right, or and not uneducated right. educated mm-hmm. and not informed. Right. And so maybe that is something that was instilled. At least that's what I'm hearing. Something like on that line was instilled in you. Oh, I see what you mean. And I, that's not by that must be by accident. Because you know I you know, I grew up in a foster film, blah blah. That's what that's a whole run by that. But being I had to I had to arm myself with as much information as I possibly could to know how to um be in different areas. Where I So adaptive. Adapt being adaptive, right, to, to the different I say chameleon, you know, same thing. And so yeah. that kind of I would say from what you've shared so far is definitely something that you've taken from your childhood, grew up, grew in yourself and then passed on to Robert. Right. In order to survive in the United States and things like that, you have to be a chameleon. You have to be able to you know how to adapt. adapt and understand the concepts and speak in facts versus just "this is how I feel." Right. I think that's the lesson I remember. Those are same, but not 
it's interesting because I can't say that I was ever expressly said. Um, it was never just said like, you've got to know more than anybody. It's never been a relative thing. It's like, in order for you to do whatever you want to do, you got to know what it is. Mm-hmm. So learn enough to know the answer mm-hmm. and then do it. Like just like that. And I think I was, a, it's a benefit on my end. I think that I was an only child because I don't know how my being works if I had a person that was always in the room because that's the one other uniqueness. I don't know many only children, black kids, east side of Cleveland, like all the details. Generally speaking, you have siblings, which means you're generally never in a room by yourself able to think about what you just learned. Mm -hmm. You're reflecting it based off of what another person, kid or not, is Mm -hmm. saying. So I run off with the mouth of questions. She'd give me answers or give me directions to find answers. And then I go to your room and I'm able to go and read the book, play the game, just think and come to conclusions and then come back like, hey, this is what I thought. And she'd go, oh, and then we'd have a conversation where I'm forming myself. I feel like I got a cheat code in that way. I was able to grow mentally faster because I could go somewhere in the dark kind of mold like i mean i mean the you know the um, caterpillar to butterfly thing you need time in the dark away from everything to grow mm-hmm. and without all of um, the distractions no distractions and no opinions like, right because other kids might and i was only child but not really because my cousins were basically my siblings i saw them every day we went to the same school so then, if from your perspective then robert did you see the same implementations concepts things that you experience mm-hmm. in your cousins or did absolutely not. okay now i'm not saying that in a judgmental way right but like just objectively all of my cousins that i was closest to have siblings all of them had younger siblings mm-hmm. so my parallels always had youngers so their responsibilities like and now i'm talking from the adult robert looking backwards yeah all of the parents were responsible ones and involved. So it's not like the kid that was my age was raising their younger sibling. A lot and of their I think friends is, were, though. I th- so that was another little But I think that's an change. important note that some people think black families, the kids are always raising the kids, that mm-hmm. the parents no, aren't involved. Not They're in doing- my experience. See, and, that's, and not that's even a family. Literally neighborhood. I can be down there now so it's safe. But we East 74th Street, East 71st, Decker, uh, if you know these areas, I walked from home to school and then from school to aunt's house and then aunt's house to, for and all of the families, all of them, I we knew the moms and the grandmas, mm-hmm. the cousins knew each other, mm-hmm. everybody. So night, you know, street lights on. Okay, well, we know they're up there playing football. They got to get home now. Mm-hmm. The families were all intact. They had different lifestyles. Lifestyles, right. And That's I wasn't, the thing. but it, it, so if I was with it, I was there. And if I wasn't, I left. Right, but you can no. see, and he so grew into that. A, mm-hmm. So, like, you had to make the choice of, like, is this actually a lifestyle that, that I, I like. want to be a part of? If not, then I need to remove myself. Right, and the, and those are the facts that I gave him to make decisions. make his own decision. Because she never really forced, based on. I will facts. say she did force me to go outside because I I think I expressed <laughs> very early that I he's was not, not interested. Yeah, he wasn't. No, he didn't play basketball. Generally, like, yeah, he just did. generally, right? <laughs> She's like, no, go, mm-hmm. okay, and then, but eventually, I learned some things I enjoyed, found parts of it I liked, but in general, I would have been fine staying in my room. But both my mom and 
that to a degree impressed go just because for a bit go outside exposed. talk to somebody yeah and and i did and i learned stuff and that's what again i come home yeah i don't yeah that's not I like my learning. cup of tea I like, or I like, whatever i like, like going to school and i want to be good for it so i don't want to stay out until eight and then get yelled at staying out too late doing something i don't even like that much like i was able to figure that out and then just do it mm-hmm. whereas i don't know that that's necessarily how any kids grow up, black or otherwise like well, it feels good. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Okay, so what is the do going to lead to? Right. Having me think a few steps ahead was always a conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, And now that I'm hearing her talk, like, oh, well, yeah, I forgot that that's it in particular. It's unique. Her opus. But Bombarding with information. And then, uh, then once you figure out what's the result if I do this, no, I better not do that. And then it could be wrong. And then you do it. You try it. Oh, well, that's new information. Right. And it never killed me to be a fail. Like, try it. Okay, good, bad, indifferent. Figure it out. Mm-hmm. So is there any information that you think that you gave him too early that maybe you should have hmm. held before giving it? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm full of good ones. I, yes, you are. <laughs> full of good ones. Um, I can't think of... Hey, like I say... He, two years old, was speaking in full sentences. Mm-hmm. Mom, can you give me a glass of water? It was never goo goo gaga, wah wah, ba ba. No, 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 no. Because he, he had to learn how to communicate. And so from day one, if it's a, a, a question he asked me, I don't think I gave him too much. No, no. It, it, no nothing I told him was at the wrong time. Because he still was able to, you know, um, get out and be amongst other people because he, I figured out early that he preferred being by himself, you know, outside of putting the towel under the door when you and James was playing video games way past and they were supposed to, oh, should I have said a name? It's uh, fine. Oh my God. Oh, well, what a cousin. Yeah. And, uh... A cousin was spending the night, you know, and <laughs> Halloween stuff. It was just the cousins and the parties and that type of thing. And, and, you know, everybody, all of the different sets of parents didn't raise their kids the same way I raised him. Um, but I always thought that was important. I, I, I guess I felt like people were not, I had to go out and find all of my facts to build who I was because it wasn't readily given to me because of how I grew up. So I made sure that I filled him with every fact that I could possibly give him regarding what situation and he make the decision on whether to do it or not. So you're saying that that then you're growing up of not having some of the answers that maybe you should have had or wanted to have Mm -hmm. made you then seek out those answers so so that when you were a mother, you could parent differently. Right than what you experienced because you wanted better for yourself. Right. I want him to be a whole person and you can't be a whole person without all of the facts or most of the information that you can possibly give. That's real information. Nothing you learning from the kids or your friends at school tell him something and he like, no, that ain't what I was, what I learned. You know what I mean? So he can, it, it, that was really important to me for so, him to make be filled with facts. Robert, when you were growing up, clearly you have like a pretty good close relationship with your mom. You have Gamer so. Haven that's mm-hmm. under like in the basement of the home share and mm-hmm. stuff like that. 
um, and you were asking questions at a young age is at any point, did you stop asking questions or did you ever feel uncomfortable asking questions or like you couldn't come to her for anything? No. I mean, I had a couple of some snags in high school because of, um, it was a learned lesson in terms of where I was putting my attention because of what I wanted. Um, and I needed some help to figure out how to make sure I graduated high school on time. Um, Which but is when crazy that happened, me. Oh. I mean, again, anybody that knows me wants to give me credit for knowing anything or having any talent, whatever. Hearing that I had trouble graduating high school was like, well, how, why? It was not about knowing. And the, okay, so remember how I said that if you can't say you don't know, I end up having an issue? You put that with a smart mouth and a 17-year-old kid mm-hmm. eh, around people who are not used to their authority, not just being implicit. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care that you're being paid too little to do this job mm-hmm. with no resources. Then not my, it's not my problem. Mm-hmm. My problem, like, see, I, I'm, and I was saying that mm-hmm. when I was 17. So it's cool at 38, seven, whatever. Um, but I feel like my oldest- So I had trouble. I had challenge. It's like challenging the system. You cannot mm-hmm. push too hard right. without causing yourself. And then it was like, all right, well, bottom line was there were two classes that I just, the teacher was not going to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm not going to do your class then. Like, yeah. and you can't, you can't do that. No, you can't. So I do not suggest anyone young enough listening to do something like that. I was gratefully, I had a principal that knew the situation. Okay, and well, me recognizing something was and, wrong. Well, because I, I didn't know how to bring it up. Because I had to figure out how to bring it up. He had a look on his face. <laughs> oh, you can read a kid's face. I, like, he had a look and I knew something was wrong. I don't like wrong. being dishonest. I'm not good at it. And no. I was just, and I wasn't so being I made, dishonest. I just sat there. And she was like, what's wrong? Yeah, something I might wrong. not graduate. All right. Well, we yeah. got to go. And then it became problem solving. How do we? Yeah. We went and had Solve a conversation. Yes. And this is where the community piece helped. The, the prince, then principal knew our family, not knowing they knew our family. Because an aunt does their nails, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You weren't mm-hmm. okay. So and this is the class a since kindergarten. So that was totally it's something not, different. I, but a, and and she, the way that she taught me was generally speaking, if you do the studying, you can do the work, and if you do the work, you get the grade you earn. Right. These two particular teachers didn't have that same mindset. One of which is like, well, everyone is average, and you have to be exceptional get to get beyond that. So do all of the work, and you'll get a C. Do a little more, and you'll get more than a C. And I'm like, well, that's literally not how grading works. And then like. Again, don't talk to adults that way. But um, but I think that brings up an interesting point. And nothing against public schools, nothing certainly. against private schools. Mm-hmm. Teachers are amazing. I love, love teachers. Mm-hmm. But somebody got to do it. Mm-hmm. How different was curriculum and experience from a public Always. school that is predominantly black? Mm-hmm. We had five black students or white students. At the time, I was in that situation, in that, and it was like a thousand kids. And how about your private school? Also, mostly black. Okay. Not as much, and I didn't really actually think about that. It might have been like twenty-five percent non-black mm-hmm. versus like one percent non-black at Collinwood. Were majority um, of your teachers white or black? All white at mm-hmm. Catholic school. All white. All, I, I remember every teacher. They're all in Catholic. Amazing. How yeah. about in public? Almost all. Uh, maybe sixty forty. Um, 60, 40, almost all women. I had three men teachers, I think, the entire time I was there. Did you connect with them? Uh, oh, who? The, the, the black men. Or, the teachers. Yeah. Well, one Were they black men? One. Okay. 
I connected with, with him, him and that was uh, Cisco. Yes. Mr. Lockhart. Literally mm-hmm. the only, <laughs> it was weird. But yeah, he was the only, pr- I connected with him because I connected with the material and he saw I was interested. But that's where I was spending my time instead of in the class where the teacher was a, but so I figured like it's. But here's the thing. You rough. probably saw him as he is like me. And, and he was a kind man. He was going through a lot of really unfortunate things at the time and in terms of family issues, uh, health issues. So he wasn't even in class often enough. When he was, we didn't have enough resources. So it's like, I saw what he was dealing with. And in that moment, I'm like, okay, well, these computers are here. They at least gave them to us. Let me learn some HTML. Let me figure out how can I get these computers wired together so we can play games in a, in a network that wasn't part of the curriculum, learned it created my own little community in that space to do that and he gave me the space because i did his work and i guess the alternative is if i say he can't come this kid might be outside so let me just yeah i don't want you locked out of the building you should be in class i'd rather you be here because i'm doing all my other homework so it was like almost somewhat of saving Mm -hmm. you because it created space for somebody like you that could have been just yep. kicking it on the street yeah right mm-hmm. like everything she taught everything that i left the house with armed me with enough to find the right spots mm-hmm. because i don't know if you i don't know how many kids just need to know that they can ask the question because there are good teachers who they're overwhelmed they can't know your problems right but you'd be so surprised i think and at how many do but their resources, the lack of resources and the red tape that they have to go mm-hmm, through mm-hmm. to even help one person. I think it's a, pro- it's a I mean, all of our, teachers our, our, our curriculum was 15 years old at the time that I was there. Like all the books were out of date, um, you know, and that's another thing. Like if I know I'm just here to learn and you can't even teach me what's going on, right. I'm not terribly interested anymore. And my, if I'm interested, I'm very good. I had to look and I think hormones had a, Part to play in that. Maybe. Maybe. Because the <laughs> lessons were in the brain. Robert, go to class. I mean, I could. Or I could figure out how to get Half-Life running. We'll have a little tournament. We'll do that. And. Because I, you weren't being stimulated I was not enough. Being pre- right. Right. Because when I'm at home, it's all info. I don't. There is no moment. Well, if I want to rest, I'll do that. And um, I understood the value of how to maintain a household, even if it wasn't a strong suit. Um. So yeah, it was an interesting um, experience for sure to be able to um, go through the high school experience and walk with what I came in with and see that that's not what other people there had. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's part of why I think I, I stayed community. Like, I could have gone to a couple of Catholic schools full ride because of how well I did it. You know, um, um, elementary school, um, and it would have been local here too. It would have been VASJ. It would even been Cleveland Central Catholic or VASJ. That's mm-hmm. what I was thinking. And she's like, "No, you're going public." What yeah. made you choose to go public versus keeping them private? Um, again, that's our ulterior motives. I wanted him to have a neighborhood sense in in public. Um, because the structure in the Catholic school taught him one thing, I wanted to make sure that he learned the other side. And when you say the other side, what's the other side is I'm going to save 
people that send their children to private schools or Catholic schools generally have a support system and a a way that they teach the children. It's sad to say that people that can't afford that, a lot of times they don't have as much support as they would need to be a human. Okay. And so that causes different traumas traumas and people, the way they, they act. So I wanted him to be exposed to some of the other some of the general population uh, to get real issues life to get real life experience things that you know and that, I mean I could talk for twenty hours and he wouldn't learn the same thing as this dude that just you know got mad at a dude and cut his tie I don't know just anything that person didn't have a support system someone didn't teach him what you won't do versus what you should do versus what you have to do. You know what I mean? So being him being exposed to the general public population in, in high school, I thought was important um, because I don't know what I don't know. You know, and so I couldn't teach him everything. So that was the reason. And, it, and I did it on purpose, literally. I went and toured St. Francis when he was two years old. And, and he saw, oh, is he going to start next year? No, in about three years. So it's research. And like I say, it's, it's on purpose because I saw what I didn't have and what I thought would be important for him to have to make him a whole person and, and be ready so to deal with stuff. as a parent, um, taking them from youth to adulthood, what advice would, would you give our listeners of from your perspective? Of taking, maybe they have small children right now. Right. Every every opportunity is an opportunity for you to either learn your child's personality or teach them something useful. Every every time, even, you know, just walking down the street, look at the different leaves. I mean, just interacting with your child as opposed to come on here. I got to go over here and do this. You have to interact with your child at every level, any minute of the day, is always an opportunity to learn or to teach or to demonstrate, to show. Uh, that's so important. So Robert, as you are now an adult and you know, you've known your mom your mm-hmm. whole entire life, yep. are there still things that you're learning about her? Yeah, 100%. Um, what is like something recently that you have learned about her that you like would love to share with with the universe sure. with um that for as aware as she is of the facts the moment the space um <clears throat> there isn't there has been such a focus on the point whatever the point is raising the kid being the whatever role you're in making the space that there hasn't been as much of a self-reflective on what has already been effectively accomplished and knowing it. Like there's always a focus on doing the thing, but how many things have we actually done to get here? You see all those things in the way that, no, see the, no, cause I gotta do the thing. And I see, I get that myself, but like, um, I presumed it was known, like understood, yeah, I, you know, I, 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 let me see, what's the thing? Um, um, 
help somebody that just moved from uh, I'm not no spec no specifics an island moved from an island became a neighbor in Collingwood has no idea barely understands English mm-hmm. to now very thriving very successful mm-hmm. family successful and literally it being uh, you know my mom sitting on the porch with my stepdad oh we need to talk to them just go over there talk from that moment to this moment that is a success a real thing that occurred that I don't think is often self acknowledged so mm-hmm. just it being surprising to me that she doesn't even see her the own accomplishment the real thing that occurred not the feeling but like no actually look That's I just presume she saw it because I see mine she taught me to see it now whether I'm valued or not to thing I'm in therapy for but like I, I thought she saw it and like a thing like that card and as an example from the, the repass person I thought in the moment you knew that you're doing that that is mm-hmm. what you're doing well no I purposely do things that I know a person don't know that they need to know to have did that make sense to you I think so yeah so you do things I know what's needed in a situation and I know I've learned what will make that situation easier and better. Because so you... because I just do it. Okay. I just automatically do it. But I, I'm but not But you did it. I, is the point. Yeah, I mean I, but it's not a big deal for me. Because you feel like it's more of a transactional um situation. So I know this thing. Like I know that I need to take the apple off of the tree mm-hmm. and give this person uh, the apple so they can be fed. Mm-hmm. You know that. And mm-hmm. because of maybe like past experiences or seeing other people go through things, like that's why you know that this apple has to come off the tree to get to the person. Right. And um, you do that transactional thing and the person gets fed. Mm-hmm. But what Robert is saying is like, you actually don't take time to reflect on that whole process because you're just like, this comes naturally to me to go, we take the apple from the tree and we just give the person so they're fed. Because my focus is giving the person something to eat. But that process that I do is, to me, it's not important. But it is important because if you didn't do that process, that person's not fed. And they know now if they're good or let's rephrase that, if they're able if to acknowledge it, like in the moment if, or later, they'll say thank you. You're not doing it for thank you. No, because but I'm this is it, it's not about the thank you. My point is like the self awareness that so you do it in advance. Like okay. you impacting you somebody. That. So he's saying like he notices that in himself, but that's something that I didn't realize. I've never you didn't. He didn't realize that you didn't understand the actual impact you have on people's lives okay i mean and that that letter did tell me that i because all you did quote unquote was do what you do for events i do what i do for (laughs) events to make it easier on the person renting it and they don't know what they need but i know what they need because so i just give it to them but how do you know that what they need from past experiences Mm -hmm. i've learned everything in my life i've learned you know, I just apply it in areas where I know it's needed, even though that person don't know that they need that. So it's like creating that community. Right. But 
in that process of creating community, doing that that self-reflection. Okay, I've never been that type of person. I've never, you know, I, I don't pat myself on the back. I'm like you said, I'm always just focused on the, 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 next the task, task at hand. But right, and I don't take time for that. I never I paid was, that any attention. I'm I not would saying say as a negative, I just wasn't aware. But I would almost say, like, I would challenge you now. Uh, I would challenge you, you now you to sit back and kind of go through the self-reflection because when you're able to sit there and self-reflect, not that you have to give yourself a pat on the back or you have to say, I did a good job because clearly that's not a driving force for you, mm. but the self-reflection lets you grow even more mm. in it, well, you know, in I'm... each experience. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're saying you are, at least this is what I'm hearing. You are a person that gathers facts and you do things because of facts. Mm-hmm. And so when you're able to self-reflect, you are gathering facts about yourself that you can then even mm. implement more to push your dreams, to push your community, to make those changes, to make societal changes, to change lives. Because mm-hmm. that is what you want. Right. And until you start focusing on that internal mm. okay. self-reflection. This is turning to a therapy session now. Right? It's not. It's, <laughs> it's a challenge. And, and our listeners will understand this isn't <laughs> even close to the first time that exact same <laughs> phrase has come from a guest mm-hmm. on our couch. Right. I mean, but that's what it's it seems a like. That it's leads a conversation to a different leads, thinking. Right. Because you don't think about thing. yourself as a resource you are leaning on to do what you're doing. No, I just. You are a, a, a resource to yourself. to myself. Like, that's a good way to look at that. I, I never. I hadn't thought about it until you asked that question. I'm like, actually, yeah, what have I learned that's new? Because we've worked together, well, the entire time. Like, yeah. as, as long as I've been alive. Like, right. Since you got here. Professionally, mm-hmm. you know. She started the company in 2005. They started doing event stuff around just making spaces for people to be people. To have experience. And comfortable some years pass and they do the block club and then some more years pass. And she spent time at former CDCs and then some more years pass, neighborhood festival. And then uh, at the time I'm graduating college, she's in a leadership uh, program that you're familiar with gathering and, facts gathering facts and i'm like oh well I'm, I'm, maybe i should do that and then she's like yeah you should probably do this so i so we just converged at the moment that we did because okay well i need to scale up what i'm doing and i'm like all right well what i want to do feels like a slice of that so mm-hmm. i'd like to help right. and so until we actually started working this way i didn't even notice that she didn't see what she was doing because i just presumed well i mean you just know you fed the neighborhood right like you, like that fact wasn't one of the facts that was gathered. And I think that's so interesting because what you are creating here in, you know, the home share and we'll, we'll maybe segue into this nonprofit is community and community access for all. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm white. Everyone probably knows. <laughs> I feel very comfortable coming here. Um, I, you know, I don't know if it's just my nature, but you make it very uh, authentic, black, cozy home feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Obama picture that hangs on the wall. Yeah. I'm very jealous of it. <laughs> um, but I think that you're so inclusive that you don't even know internally that you make it feel that inclusive. Right. 
That's that's pretty good. And that that's kind of why it's called home share. We literally set the space up so it, it, a person that doesn't have that that's never been exposed to culture, you know, different cult, cultures. different different aspects of being a black person. You know, it's. I, I really I, that, that's one thing I am I am really happy about that the person will get they actually feel feel good when they leave here. Yeah, I didn't I didn't had that from so many and the different reactions we get from people that didn't even know that they had that feeling until they came in here. You know, so that's it's that's a um, and I appreciate it. I appreciate coming here and knowing that you guys are so open and mm-hmm. so caring and loving and want to support anybody that walks through your it door. Don't, it don't matter to us, whoever it is, because everybody, we all humans. Yeah. We, regardless of what, how you were raised, you know, any, any of that. And everybody needs this basic um, respect for, as a, as a person, you know, and, and a lot of people don't, don't reflect that in their businesses. Yeah. And I think important. I think that's really that's um, important. a key element. We all are human. Yeah. We do have differences. And unfortunately, our society has thrown up some big walls around mm-hmm. them. Yeah. But we as humans can start to take those down and have hard conversations and implement different services and maybe some different nonprofits. So I'd like to kind of like segue into... Okay. Um, well, we started talking about um, helping community mm-hmm. and youth and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you seeing a need in a community. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your community needs and what you're kind of driving towards <laughs> and why? Okay. Um, uh, RISE Community Advancement. Incorporated is um, what we're calling the nonprofit. I found out over the years that a lot of the things that I wanted to do for my community that I was actually paying for out of my pocket is actually a nonprofit thing. So having opportunities to learn about each other in um, a certain atmosphere everybody's experiencing the same thing at the same time. So safe space. A safe space is going to expose you to other types of people. And I think that's what I learned about Collinwood uh, living here all these years. It's different segments. North of the boulevard, uh, the other side of the, the bridge on 152nd. So it's like sectional. And so what Rise... Um, which stands for recreation, innovation, scholarship, and engagement. Almost everything, well, literally everything we do is going to fit under one of those pillars. Uh, pillars. And so basically having large events where everyone is welcome to come in, they're going to be, they're going to learn about another person that's not just like them mm-hmm. in real time. So it's exposing each other, and then maybe it'll it'll get rid of some of the stereotypes. Maybe you won't be scared to drive across, down go down the street, or maybe you um, will feel safe 
if someone wanders across Lakeshore Boulevard onto your street because you've been exposed to other things. So that's like a big part of um, what I want to do with the, the nonprofit is, um, you know, create experiences for all walks of life to be in the same room, in the same safe space and grow you know, enhance their quality of life by learning other things. So it's now you're not scared and it's, oh, I thought y'all did, you know, myths you heard and mm-hmm. you seeing things in fir- firsthand. Um, and, and then what Robert being, you know, how he, uh, what he gives or adds to the table um, is another uh, chance for people to learn in a comfortable, safe space um, things that they might not even know that they need to know, you know, so it's, again, it's exposure, it's, uh, experiences. And I guess it's teaching the neighborhood. Like I taught him, like I taught him. So you're kind of bringing your parenting experience of collecting facts and exposure to the community. Right. So that you can bring your quote unquote mother essence to a community that needs to come together right 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 because you know it's, it's, it's so much separation and myths and i thought this and no every all, all of us are human we all have the same needs we just were raised in different areas that blocked you from learning everything you needed to know to be a well-rounded citizen and so if we provide that in one space a little bit at a time um to me that's that that's worth everything. So one of the programs that um, you were talking to me about was about something about horses. Can you kind of go into that a little bit? Yeah. Um, our first, I mean, I can, I, we do a lot of things, but the program Horses to the Neighborhood <coughs> is because, um, you see, growing up, I don't think I ever saw a horse unless it was a policeman riding. Okay. Okay. And I'm sure that and because uh, families are all just focused on just standing between here, nobody going to look yeah, outside. Yeah, don't look at Don't look. And- don't look on the outside. <laughs> you go to school, learn, come home, do your homework, go to sleep, go to school, learn the whole in here. But ex- bringing things that you that people would not normally see in the inner city um, is, is one of the reasons why I did that. We did it last year, and if you could have heard the, the happy yells <laughs> and uh, – the, the sister, you going to do it. I do it if you do it. And, you know, and so the program will expose uh, people that may not know anything about a farm or know any or never had the opportunity to ride a horse. That's what the program is for. So first part, they would come here and experience riding the horse. The second part of the program is to be transported to the farm, which is um, Free Spirit Farm and Novelty. Uh, we partnering on this, and then she would teach the part about care for the horses, how they're housed, and and different things. So that's giving a young person an experience that they might not have had if they hadn't saw the horses rode yeah. by and saw the horses out front. So again, that's Expl- broadening uh, people's exposure to um, the inner city people, not, and it's not just kids. Believe right. it or not, grown ups. Oh, I'm not getting on the. Some grown-ups wouldn't even get on the horse, but just exp- just giving a person the chance to to experience something different. 
um, that they wouldn't normally see. So that's one of the programs that we would okay. be doing is a number of things, uh, little entrepreneur. We got a lot of different ways for to support um, what or my goal is okay. enhancing. And you guys have some events that are going to be coming up. Um, do you guys have a website yet, or are we still in the process of building that? Or how do people find out how to get connected or even donate or, you know, whether it be in kind, whether it be money, we all like money, nonprofits yes. that are out there love yes, donations. Do. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, how, or maybe you guys are looking for board members, things like that. How do they get involved volunteering, things like that? Uh, so I'm being looked at uh, kind <laughs> listeners by both uh, our host and the guest. So the reason I'm being looked at is obviously I'm part of the family biz. Um, so when she went down the road of wanting to create the nonprofit, I've myself served on a couple of CBC boards. So when she was talking about what the interest point was to create the thing, like, and I love the idea of community advancement, not necessarily that I have negative feelings or don't, but um, I find that community development's focuses haven't really hit the same uh, parts of our community that she's talking about trying to hit. Especially so, here in Colorado. Particularly right. in Colorado. Yes, there are um, other The ones city of that... Cleveland has a very robust CDC network and a lot of awesome orgs doing what they can for their communities. But for us, um, knowing what the problems are because you're on the ground, this kind of an org seemed to make sense. So. Mm -hmm. Given my experience, I helped out and I'm going to serve uh, at least as the initial uh, chief operating officer for RISE. Um, so to answer the first question, the website is in development. Social media might exist already. So depending at time of recording, if you hear this and Google, you might see that the website's up by then. Um, uh, with with Marlene serving as the, the founding president and CEO, I believe they're working through finishing off the application. I know that the board is coming together. I'm going to work on the staff side to make sure we have a good channel for a donation. Uh, we partner currently with Reading Room CLE, another nonprofit, in our interim as a, a fiscal sponsor for small programmatic things we've done. But eventually, they'll just be a partner and the nonprofit mm -hmm. will exist and will be able to support us directly. Um, so yeah, we exist on paper to the state, and there might be some web presence by the time people hear this. If not, it's coming soon and we'll promote thoroughly because the other point, point that I loved about how RISE was coming up, we looked around at how this model is working across you know, the region and there's nonprofits for everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but what, what particularly caused problems for uh, my mom is she's been doing a nonprofit type social entrepreneurship the entire time which is hurting our bottom line. Okay, is anybody else doing something similar? And in fact, there are companies that exist that have a friends of or a foundation. And in that way, Rise is gonna kind of focus on what the home share does and what her company is, but doing it with the proper support from philanthropic community that believes in the same thing. It's really hard for a lot of our friends that have donatable dollars to just give it to a business. Mm -hmm. So Rise will exist and you guys can very grace and, and all you folks in general can graciously donate once that exists. But um, yeah, the community is going to hopefully be involved with the four pillars that uh, she mentioned. There's going to be a committee around each. And I know everybody can figure something that matters mm -hmm. to a community like ours around mm -hmm. recreation, like what stuff 
we want to hear your ideas and because mm-hmm. she's got a, when it comes to ideas she's got a million of them yeah um, i mean really um <laughs> but we want to take input and actually make some actionable programs that people here can see like when you're rolling up 185th and you see four giant horses that literally has never happened before so that point of change seeing it in the community there's tons more of those ideas in the yeah. hopper conversations you know with each other it's a community conversation it's a panel of people that can answer general questions and just let people regular people throw out their questions that's that that's done sometimes at block club meetings mm-hmm. and things but only certain people are i don't say accepted are or, or frequent those things mm-hmm. so having a larger place where the community can come out grab a hot dog in a comfortable setting food is the common denominator i mean everyone loves food i love everyone food. loves food so i'm gonna feed them my dip and yeah i haven't had know. this dip guys yet so i'm yeah. waiting for this it, dip. right <laughs> we'll make sure if it's possible to save some yeah. after an event yeah it, so make it's sure. the first thing that goes save some i'll be yeah. at the event what yeah. you're <laughs> talking about better hurry yeah. but, but i'll be like this dip's mine she made it for me yeah, but you know, just getting a person comfortable—that's the main thing. You 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 have to be comfortable, then you can um, take in and soak up what you need, and throw out what you don't need from what you just learned. But having the opportunity to do that in a comfortable space is hardly ever done, because I, you know, the committee meetings on the board when you're on a CDC—that's just a select group of people in a room. But opening it up to the general public. You know, to have access to that type of thing is is, is really important to me because you can't grow with, unless you know something uh, different. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty accurate with just overall theme of parenting and this episode is you can't grow until you know something different mm-hmm. and um, not having to be afraid to have hard conversations, right. uncomfortable, maybe controversial conversations. You know, I, I'm sure some of the people are like, what is this white woman having a conversation about black mothers and mm-hmm. Collinwood and things like that? I know, like, that was some of the maybe perceived um, notion of when I was hired at a certain location. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what does she know about us? Well, you guys are human and I, I have some experiences. Mm-hmm. I want to learn from your guys' experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that I can change and become a better person. Right. Right. What was that thing? If you do what you always did, you'll get what you always got. Right. Uh, and she said that often. And I was always comfortable learning more because that's just the lesson. Mm-hmm. And it bears out in evidence. People, mm-hmm. I mean, so yeah, I'm, um, I'm really, I'm, I'm grateful for yeah, thank you so much the moment. For, um, making me, you know, understand all this. And, uh, you know, I'm going to learn that self, uh, Self-reflection. Self-reflection. Yeah. yeah. But you, I, there's you, no time for that. You are one of your resources. And, and, you are your resource. And what so you invest do in is it. a fact. Yeah. And it's yeah. like probably one of the most valuable resources that you can reinvest in. Is yourself. Is yourself. Right. I'm taking that mm-hmm. because if you are literally able to sit down, self-reflect, even if it's for like five minutes a day, um, it lets you, A, decompress from like the day, the situation, whatever came up that day, you'll learn from it okay. instead of just going through it. Right. And that's what I've been doing, just going through it. And then you'll get to like actually internalize and appreciate appreciate yourself 
And but also then challenge yourself mm-hmm. to do different. Right. Mm. Okay, that's easier said than done. It is. It it's it's a hard task. Yeah. Yeah. But with without the self reflection, you're just going through versus really reinvesting in the biggest asset that you could give your community. Right. Which is us. Okay, that's pretty good. And I <laughs> see why you do what you do. <laughs> that's pretty good. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, thank you. I mean, I completely appreciate you guys and everything that, how you've impacted my life. Um, I think the home share rise is going to be amazing. You know, we will touch base afterwards, but I see how <laughs> Gamer Haven came Aww. about from high school and the teacher that impacted you mm-hmm. and how that, that transitioned. I think that's very interesting. Um but great space, great space for the community, great space for people that, you know, just need some safe spot to land, um, mm-hmm. to experience life, and to connect with people. Right. Well, I appreciate it. Exactly. Thank you so much. And uh, I, I will thank you for being a guest on okay. Heidi's podcast. And as a co-host, I'm um, going to remind everybody that these episodes will be more regular, and we will probably have a bit next episode about a nice chunk of... Um, content that we're looking forward to for the summer um but yeah thanks for having the uh willingness to uh, be hosted here at the home share and yeah i don't know Heidi. is there anything else that you want to get in before we're done yes my favorite two questions here we go (laughs) um (laughs) looking back at your five-year-old self what advice would you give her you looking back at your five year old self. You're the guest. Oh, what? <laughs> I'm like, what, what? I've heard this one. Looking back at your five year old self, what advice would you give her? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I don't have to do it all. You don't have to do it all yourself. Okay, that's a good. Good self-reflection. Right. Okay, so here's my next question. Mm -hmm. What advice will you give your future self? Appreciate all the good I've done in my lifetime. I love that. If that makes sense. It absolutely (laughs) does. That wasn't too hard, was it? No. I was just like, oh, here, oh, we, here, go. We, go. here <laughs> we go. Here oh, we here go. go. Oh, here Heidi goes. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of curveball is she throwing? Yeah, but that's, you know, and, and, and I would have not have never even thought of that if you didn't say that. I, Like I said, I've just been working through it, trying to get done. Because when you recognize what people need and they're not getting it, I need to figure out a way to help them get it. And don't ask me why I adopted this neighborhood. But it's just ended up being my way. There's, there's so many things missing that I recognize need to be available to every walk of life in this neighborhood. And it's so diverse. So yeah. many different people that only know what they grew up in. But then learning, it, it's, 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 it's a fun ride. I mean, I'm enjoying it. Life is all about learning. That's right. And I think parenting, it goes hand in hand with parenting. Right. Parenting mm-hmm. is always learning. Like, I mean, even as a parent right now, mm-hmm. I'm still learning. I'm mm-hmm. sure you're still learning, yeah, too. Yeah. And he's grown, so yeah. he hasn't. Um, yeah, it's important. Okay. Oh, it would seem like that's a good place to wrap up then, Heidi. Yeah. I think um, so. 
So yeah, for our listeners, thanks for listening to another episode of Being Master. Um, Looking forward to the news that's coming for more episodes, but yeah, this was a really awesome one. And thanks again to our guest, Marlene Gatewood-Allen. Thank you so much for having me. Gatewood Home Share and um, President CEO of Rise Community Advancement Incorporated. But other than that, kind listeners, we're going to be in touch soon. So hopefully this was as interesting and uh, uh, entertaining for you as it was for me. And um, I hope you learned something from it. <laughs> yeah. Certainly. Even if it's one thing. I hope you learned something from I mean, it. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty all nice. right. So we'll talk to you all later. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.